Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. We're more than two months into this coronavirus lockdown. Some people aren't working. Some have lost their jobs. Businesses have closed. Some may not survive. Rent and mortgages are due. People are hungry and have little money to pay for food. It's bleak for some. How do we get through this? Here's First Pres Executive Coordinator Jenny Sung with the answer in this sermon, But We Had Hoped. We are all together on this road called life. And it's a road that's sometimes marked with great joy and celebration. And sometimes it's a road marked with suffering and loss. In the season of COVID-19, it could be like this confusing bend in the road that just kind of came out of nowhere. So many of us had plans and expectations for the year 2020. For example, I had a family trip I had planned for the last eight months, something I was really looking forward to. It was a trip to South Korea, a trip that my husband and I, even when he was alive, we would talk about how we wanted to take our kids when they were older. This would have been their first trip outside of the United States. I really wanted to introduce them to their heritage, the Korean culture, meet relatives, eat awesome Korean food, come on. Maybe look for members of BTS, you never know but it didn't happen. There are moments in the journey of life where we thought things were gonna go a certain way and things turn out to be quite different. Times when hopes are dashed or expectations fail and we're trying to make sense of it all. Some of us are struggling with a deep sense of loss. Maybe it's the loss of our jobs, our livelihood, or the loss of a loved one. There could be the loss of freedom or connection. You know, we feel imprisoned in our own homes or the loss of senior year, graduation, walking down the aisle. Some of us are really struggling with a loss of hope. As one article um, in the Harvard Business Review put it, it's pretty recent, March 23rd, it says the discomfort you're feeling, it's called grief. It talks about this collective grief that's in the air, one we've never quite experienced, not like this. The loss of normalcy, the fear of economic toll, and the loss of connection. This is hitting us and we're grieving collectively. We had hoped things would be different, but how do we make meaning? How do we find hope in the midst of this? Well, I hope that today's passage gives you great hope and meaning. A story about two people walking on a long and dusty road, two disciples of Jesus who start their journey burdened with grief and loss, but then are transformed as a stranger who we know is Jesus finds them, walks on the same road, the road to Emmaus. Will you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. I have a special scripture reader for you today, all the way from England. Michelle Gorman used to sometimes read the scripture for us on Sundays, and one of the great benefits of online churches, hey, we could have Michelle Gorman <laughs> read the scripture to you. Michelle and Rod Gorman are beloved members of First Pres, and they served in so many ministries. Let's welcome Michelle as she reads Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognising him. 
and he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary for the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the things about himself in the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road while he was opening the scriptures to us that same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together they were saying the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of bread Amen so here we have two disciples, followers of Jesus, walking on a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It had only been three days since they saw Jesus tortured and killed and hanging on a cross. The emotional setting is just overwhelming loss and confusion. There's a loss of their friend, their beloved teacher, the one they had spent all of their time with, the closest of relationships, now just gone. Then there's the loss of their cause, the expectation that Jesus would be the one to redeem Israel, the Messiah, the deliverer of the Jewish nation. You see, in the time of Jesus, the hope of the Messiah had become greatly politicized in the minds of the people. So they thought that Jesus would be the one to bring freedom from the oppressive control of the Roman regime. They were seeking deliverance from the tyranny of Rome. So the hope was in Jesus, who they said was mighty in word and deed before God and all the people, 
They thought Jesus would be the one to bring freedom and justice. This is what they had hoped. This is what they expected. But now he is gone, just dead. I mean, can you imagine being stripped of the hope that carried you? On top of the loss, there's also incredible confusion. The disciples are walking on the road trying to figure this out as they're walking and talking. You can almost imagine them going kind of back and forth. Hey, uh, do you remember what the woman said about Jesus being alive? Well, we saw him die on a cross. What was it Jesus said when he was alive? You know, something about him dying and waiting three days. That'll rise again? What do you think that meant? I mean, some of us guys, we went back to the tomb and we, and we checked, but there was no Jesus. No Jesus, and it's been three days. But we had hoped for so much. You see, the disciples were slow of heart to believe in any other possibility than what they knew, than how they expected things to be. I mean, can you relate? Have you ever had a time in your life when you expected things to go a certain way? You knew how things were supposed to be and then it just doesn't happen. Maybe there's a tragic turn in the road, a loss, a rejection, disappointment, or maybe even betrayal. And you think, this isn't how it's supposed to be. One of my most recent experience of expectation and loss was when I put my home on the market and I moved into a smaller condo. After the death of my husband, I just struggled with an older, bigger home with old wiring and plumbing and commuting. Unexpectedly, this new condo came through a lottery and it was just blocks from my mother, blocks from my sister and the new Vine campus. The doors just seemed to open. I thought it was God, so I pushed ahead, expecting things to progress well. Everyone told me my house would sell, sought after neighborhood, great home. I expected things to line up in plenty of time, you know, sell the house, close on escrow by the time the new condo was ready. But it didn't go that way. My home was on the market for weeks, then months, with no serious offers. It got to the point that I didn't even have enough to pay for the lost installment on that new condo. I begged the developers for an extension and it came with huge penalties. And when the deadlines passed and the bills poured in, and on top of everything, when I got about the largest tax bill I had ever received in my life, I lost it. I burst into tears in my car, sobbing in the basement of my CPA's office building just sobbing in the car. I had thought things would go a certain way and I was so confused and grieving, not just as a widow missing her husband, but grieving at the loss of hope. I had hoped for so much, but everything just seemed to fall through. And I thought, how could I have been so wrong? It is in these moments that we can find it hard to believe Jesus is with us walking with us, even carrying, carrying us on that broken and, and dusty road. We may not see him in that moment, but he is with us, revealing himself in new and sometimes unexpected ways. I know for me, Jesus revealed himself in the most unexpected way. 
some background to give you. Um, I am an extremely independent person, very self-reliant, hate relying on people. And, and depending on others is something I really avoid. <laughs> it's just not what I do. Uh, I left for boarding school when I was 15 on my own and uh, never went back home. Just some experiences hardened in my youth. But God taught me in this season, loving me enough to take me to a very uncomfortable place, relying on the generosity of his people, the people of God. There was one person back then who was virtually a stranger to me. He and his wife had just moved from the mainland to Hawaii. I barely knew them. He approached me one day and, and you know it's going to be like a strange conversation when it's like, hey, can I talk to you about something? And, uh, you know, I want you to pray on it. And it was something like, you know, I, I hope you don't freak out or I don't want you to freak out. He said that his wife and him had been in prayer. And in the times of prayer, my name came up more than once. They felt God had called them to help me financially. He didn't know the details of my situation, the desperation I was in. And I was shocked. You know, I, I did the polite, oh, thank you, you know, thank you, thank you for offering. You know, I'll pray on it. But in my mind, I had immediately just rejected the offer. I wasn't going to receive that kind of help. I am independent. I was going to figure something out. This was not an option. But God was working on my hardened heart. It was a heart that was closed off, slow to trust people. And like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, I was slow to believe that God would appear in any other way and how I expected. But through a season of surrender and dependence, so many people, so many of God's people came alongside to help me. When Pope Francis was asked, what does it mean to be the people of God? He answered, being the church, the people of God, means being God's leaven in this our humanity. Leaven. It's that fermented part of the, of the dough that works its way through the bread. In my season of confusion, God sent His leaven, His people, to reveal the love of God in a way I've never experienced before. I moved into my new home last June, and I will never forget Never forget how the people of God became my leaven, softening my heart, mending my broken heart, teaching me humility and a greater openness to all the ways God works in life. Know that Jesus is with you all along, walking on the road of life, and He will reveal Himself to you in sometimes unexpected ways. Be open to all of the possibilities and trust in a great, big, loving God who cares for you more than you could ever imagine. When we look at the story of the road to Emmaus, Jesus showed the disciples that what they expected, which was a political king, was not the Messiah Jesus came to be. They got it wrong. Despite all that Jesus had pointed out while he was alive, all the time they had studied the scripture, they didn't see Jesus as the Messiah the prophets predicted in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it was predicted that the Messiah would be from the tribe of Judah. The Messiah would be a descendant of King David. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Get this, the Messiah would be tortured to death. And the Messiah's life would include suffering, silence at his arrest and trial, burial in a rich man's tomb, 
and the resurrection. They were slow of heart to believe. And what they thought was the end was actually the beginning to so much more. Now, one of the things I do wonder was why the disciples were kept from recognizing Jesus. I mean, wouldn't it have been easier if they just recognized him right away, you know, like saw that Jesus was alive, just like the angel said, why drag it on? It's the same kind of heart that makes me go, you know, Jesus, wouldn't it have been easier if I just sold my home right away and I didn't have to rely on anyone? But no, if the disciples had recognized Jesus on that road, what would they have missed? I mean, all that time with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, would they have even poured out their hearts, their sorrow, their, their expectation to Jesus? And then walking and talking with Jesus, hearing him unfold the scripture, right? Showing them that he was the fulfillment of all scripture, the Messiah. All that time, their hearts just warm within them, almost burning as Jesus is opening up their minds. Even with us, Jesus will join us on the road that we're on. And he'll walk with us even in the times of loss and confusion. I know Sometimes it seems easier if things didn't happen. You know, if we didn't have to wait or if we just had a quick solution for whatever road we're on. But life doesn't always work that way. And the fact is, you don't have to be on that road alone. You don't have to do life alone. Jesus will find you on whatever road you're on. And he listens to your questions and he hears our cries. And as we dwell with him, he will give you peace. He will give you his love. He will guide you, teach you, opening up your minds and your heart. Jesus doesn't waste anything and he's only motivated by love. So we can trust in him, our loving redeemer who bore our sins and died for us so that we could have life with him in this life and live in the power of the resurrection. I love how Tim Keller talks about the resurrection. He says, Jesus came as a savior who didn't come at the expense of our lives, but at the expense of his own life. And if the resurrection is true, it means that we'll never be parted from love. Our future is certain. God's never gonna give up on you no matter what your past, no matter all your faults, your mistakes. This love is for you. So when there's twists and bends in the road, you can be open to all the ways that God cares for you. And when we invite Jesus into our lives, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will strengthen you, guide you, give you insight and courage. The resurrection makes this all possible. You know, when you realize the meaning of the resurrection, it's pretty incredible. It, it'll either just drive you to tears. <laughs> I. I or it'll blow your mind. It's like, <laughs> and you see that in our last passage today, when the disciples realize that it's Jesus, you know, when Jesus blesses the food and he breaks the bread, their eyes are opened. When we do the sacrament of communion, you know, we eat the bread and we remember that the body of Jesus was broken for us and we experience his presence somehow in a more powerful way. And when we drink the juice, we remember that the blood of Jesus was shed for us so that we could have eternal life with him and never be parted from love. At the breaking of the bread, 
the disciples know that it's Jesus, the Messiah, the fulfillment of all scripture, the risen Lord. They understand the meaning of the resurrection. Their grief is turned into joy and what was confusion and despair is now turned into hope and passion. They're so excited that it says on the hour, they go all the way back to Jerusalem. I'm thinking it's nighttime, right? So they, I would imagine they maybe ran all the way back to Jerusalem. I know some of you actually run and you can run seven miles straight. So maybe, you know, you could imagine if they ran seven miles back to Jerusalem. It is so often that when we experience the good news of Jesus, we want to share that with others. We can't keep it in, you know, it's like this incredible experience. And I think that's why testimonies are so powerful, you know, when we share our stories, because it's different than like reading a book or, or doing a study. It's just one human being sharing with another how they've personally experienced the love of God in their life, how they've experienced the presence of God. And so to close, I asked if Karen Dyke would come and share her testimony with us today. Karen uh, is a wonderful woman of God. She's leader at Alpha and Rooted, and she's a former deacon. And she recently shared her testimony on social media with the hashtag, Jesus changed my life. So I asked if she'd come today and share a part of that testimony. Let us welcome Karen Dyke. Good morning, everyone. So to start things off, I grew up in Colorado and was very involved in my church. I had great friends. I was involved in the youth group, loved every minute of it, and had a really close relationship with God. But then I went to college and things changed. I walked away from God and started doing things my own way. You know, typical things like drinking and going to join a sorority, all those fun things. And I was having a great time in college. So these behaviors continued. And then towards the end of my sophomore year was really difficult. I was not sleeping well. I had racing thoughts. I was saying things that didn't make sense. So my parents were very concerned over the summer and they admitted me into a hospital. I said things like I was gonna kill myself. So I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and it was very difficult. It was hard. I didn't know what that was and I was angry. God, why is this happening to me? My whole plan is different than I thought. So going back to college after resting for a whole semester of rest, didn't really change. I even had a very low point where I had an overdose. I went back to the hospital. Um, then I graduated and moved to Hawaii, started teaching. My life was okay. You know, I was fun. I was doing what I wanted to do, but I still didn't quite feel, you know, that sense of purpose, that sense of God's love. At the time, though, I didn't think I even needed it. I just was doing my own thing, even reckless behaviors. So finally, one day, I crashed, and I just was sitting on the floor of my apartment and cried out to God. I said, God, if you are there, please help me. I need community. I need a place to go. I need your love. And a couple of weeks later, I had an invitation to go to First Pres. So I knew this was it. I was like, yes. So I was answered to my prayer. Going up to First Prize is just so beautiful, going up there. And I just immediately felt peace. I felt calm. It was such a great feeling. 
So since I've been going to First Press, I've realized a lot of things. I've realized that God is always with me, even through those hard times. You know, even through those times where I walked away, those times where I felt abandoned or lonely or in the hospital, like, he was always there, always there. And it took me a lot of healing and a lot of prayer to realize that he was always there. And, you know, life right now, is, I mean, it's definitely not perfect or a fairy tale. You have life's temptations and struggles. But I just want to let you all know that God is walking with you. Even when you feel far away, you may have lost your job. Things are just not good for you. But God does not leave you. He will never forsake you. So thank you so much for listening and God bless. You know, maybe you can relate to a part of Karen's story. Maybe you can relate to what she said and her story feels familiar to yours. Maybe you feel like today God is asking you to take another step on that road, but with Jesus at your side. You're doing life on your own and maybe you can see things only a certain way, but you want to be open to all the possibilities and you want to experience the love of God in a more personal and powerful way. Remember, if the resurrection is true, then you'll never be parted from love. God's not ever going to give up on you, no matter what. This love is for you, and He wants to walk on the road of life with you. If you want to take that step, say yes to Jesus, then it's just a simple prayer. It's a prayer of sorry, thank you, and please. And there are some of us today where we might have accepted Jesus, but uh, we're doing life on our own. We've kind of drifted, and we want to ask Jesus to come back in. We want to make him the center again, and we want to do life and walk on that road with Jesus. If that's your heart, then you can say the same prayer. God knows where you are and what's on your heart. So if this is the first time of saying yes to Jesus or a recommitment, Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and just pray. Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for turning away from you. I'm sorry for all the times I've rejected you and I've done life on my own. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for forgiving my sins and dying on the cross so that I could live this journey of life with you together. Please come into my life. I invite you in, Lord, into my heart, my soul, my mind. I want to walk on this road of life with you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide me, lead me, teach me. Fill me with your love so that I can love others the way you love. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, then there's a button that you'll see. It's a raise hand, and if you press on that, you'll be connected to information. We really want to follow up with you. We'll be sending you a gift and we want you to plug into community. So please press that and fill out the information so that we could follow up with you. 
And if you want prayer, just pray, uh, press on that live prayer button because someone on the prayer team will come in a private chat and pray with you. And it's so good when you um, have accepted Jesus or recommitted your life to Jesus to pray with someone. There's also small groups you can join after the service. They're called Digital Connect Groups. They're done virtually on Zoom and they're incredible. People have enjoyed connecting with one another and you can share your thoughts about the message and ask for prayer too. So make sure you click on that link for Digital Connect Groups after the service is over. Great message, Jenny, and thank you to our worship team. Normally, one of the pastors closes the service with a blessing, but today we have a different special blessing for you all a musical blessing. Hawaiian Islands Ministries gathered 25 worship leaders from around the state from six different islands to sing a song of blessing to you, the state and beyond. It's called the Hawaii Blessing. We made a video of them singing to you and others. And when I say we, I mean a bunch of First Pres members, Dave and Shana Kusumoto, who help weekly with our streaming services, Chaz Umamoto, who helps with worship at Ko'olau and The Vine, and worship director Jason Waldrip, as well as Imua Garza and Kavika Lopez, both of C4 Church, doing the audio and the video. At a time when the state and the world need encouragement, my wife Pam and I wanted to make sure people would know that God is for them. We also wanted all to know that churches are here to serve the city and bless it with God's love. And we wanted to encourage those on the front lines and those in families, those who have lost jobs and all who are facing medical, financial, emotional issues. We wanted them to know that God loves them and blesses them, especially in this time of COVID-19. And so Hawaiian Islands Ministries produced a song that we initially heard a bunch of Pittsburgh churches sing. It was written by Carrie Job and Cody Carnes. If you like this song, go right after the service to thehawaiiblessing.com. And you can even download it, just the audio to listen on your phone or in your car or at home. It's free from HIM, no need to pay Apple or Spotify, but we do suggest a donation to the food bank that is desperately trying to help feed the unemployed who are 35% of the population in this state, which is the highest in the nation. We need to come together. And so if you are blessed, be a blessing to others. And may the winds of the Holy Spirit come upon you. We are all on our own individual roads to Emmaus. Like Jenny learned and taught today, let's surrender to Jesus and depend on Him. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at the Vine in Kaka'ako. But for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church website, once again, fpchawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click on the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. 
Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or any needs, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chan and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.